Welcome to the Blue Stocking Baptist Podcast. My name is Esther and I'm here with my co-host Hannah. Today we will be exploring what labels are and why they are important to bring clarity as well as to protect us from false teaching. This whole episode we will be building off of our last episode on discernment and giving more practical examples on how to use labels and how knowing the theological terms can help us to grow in Christ as we learn the rich doctrines behind the words. So we like to present scripture throughout all our episodes because it is the foundation in which all our ideas and beliefs spring from. The text that we have today is Ephesians 4, 13 through 16. It says, Until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ, as a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking in truth in love. We are to grow in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. We are sharing these verses because we want to make an argument that at the heart of using labels is a desire for unity. This unity is rooted in the faith, so it is important to know what that faith is, and precise language is a tool to help us apply discernment. This text also shows the knowledge of the Son of God, which shows us that we must get the nature of God right, and understanding Jesus' relationship with the other members in the Godhead. As Christians, we do not abandon sound doctrine at the door when seeking out unity. This text shows us that unity is built on the foundation of agreement on what is true or false. Understanding doctrinal differences also helps us to know when we need to cut ties with people claiming Christ and when we can work together in the Lord's work. If we have a different faith, a different Jesus, or a different gospel, unity is impossible. Some lines must be drawn in the sand and knowing what you believe and why and being able to contend for the faith like Jude 3 says and give an account for the hope that is within you. It helps to know the proper language so that we are not tossed by every wind of doctrine like Ephesians 4.14 teaches. This shows us that the immature man cannot distinguish between essentials and non-essentials and is carried away by false doctrines. We want to encourage you to a deeper understanding of your own beliefs, both secondary and primary, and learning how to spot false teaching. We want to show that labels are from scripture. This includes things such as Christian, saints, children of God, adopted, and elected. All these terms mean something, and they each have a deep doctrinal meaning attached to them. We should use them, and we should use them in the context scripture uses them. For example, a Christian is a follower of Christ, but it is more than that. Otherwise, both the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons could claim to be Christians. Right. A Christian is someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ, but a Christian also believes in a gospel apart from works and a specific view on the nature of God, such as a Trinitarian view. These things are essential. So when a Mormon claims to be a Christian, we know that's not true because they believe in a works-based salvation and hold to a heretical view that Jesus was born of flesh and not truly God. They also hold to the belief that there's an infinite amount of gods, which is contrary to the Christian belief. You would naturally respond and possibly take offense and say, no, you're not a Christian because that word has a specific meaning. 
Right. And so this would give you an opportunity to share what a Christian really is and present the gospel to this Mormon who thinks that they're a Christian and share with them what a Christian really is and who Jesus Christ really is. So there are many today who claim to be evangelical and also promote a ecumenical spirit of unity with groups like the Roman Catholic Church. They claim that unity is more important than doctrine. And as a result, we forget all of church history, all of our rich doctrines, and we seek to be friendly with the enemies of God. When we lack an understanding of right doctrine and how to rightly explain it with the right kind of language, we leave ourselves vulnerable. This is why labels matter. This is why doctrine matters. And this is why you should know what you believe and why. Because if you do not, you could leave the door open for wolves to sneak into your life and begin to be shaped by falsehood and not truth. We do not desire to come across harsh to those who do not know all the different secondary doctrines and all the different denominations. That's not our intent. Our desire is to stir in women a deep love for theology and a deep love for God's truth. We want to equip you with the resources to defend your faith well and to be encouraged by your faith so that you can have assurance in Christ. Our desire is to build up so that you can be mature and exercise discernment for the protection of your spiritual well-being. So recently there was a survey done called the State of Theology, which showed that a massive amount of people who claim to be evangelical believe that Jesus is a created being, which is just one example from this survey. So terms like Christian and evangelical in today's Christian culture can be misleading. You need to be on guard and you need to ask more questions when someone says they're a believer. If someone claims Christ but yet rejects essential Christian doctrines, unity cannot happen. Sometimes, though, this can be a really difficult thing to navigate, and asking pointed questions can help you to discern what that person actually believes. If you ask someone if they're a Trinitarian and they say no, you should be really concerned. You should ask more questions, and you should be watchful. So we want to be transparent with what we believe. Hannah and I are both particular Baptists who align with the 1689 London Baptist Confession, another name that is associated with what we believe is Reformed Baptist. This means something very specific. It means that we are Calvinistic, we hold to a historic confession, we are covenantal, and we are credo-baptist. I can understand if those terms confused you, and that's not the point of why we're sharing this. The point is that we've drawn lines in the sand over doctrine. However, we both go to churches that are Calvinistic Baptist and do not hold to a confession and are not necessarily covenantal. Though we hold to slightly different views on secondary issues, we can distinguish the differences, guard ourselves, and submit to our elders joyfully because we know what to expect and what our churches actually teach. On the essentials, we are of one mind and can have unity with our churches because we all agree on the fundamental doctrines. We also know that our secondary differences are not something to cause division in the body over. We do not seek to stir up contention or teach something contrary to what our pastors are teaching in the pulpit, but we will also be honest about our beliefs as to not cause confusion when people do ask. We want to give a comparison of how Presbyterians are different than, say, a Reformed Baptist. So a Presbyterian holds to a historic confession. They are Calvinistic, they are covenantal, but they have a different view on church government and they are paedo-baptist, which means they baptize their infants and their children. However, their view of baptism is different than the Roman Catholic Church. We won't go into detail and hope to one day explain views on baptism, but infant baptism does not automatically equal baptismal regeneration like some think. And this is why labels such as Presbyterian or Roman Catholic help to express clear doctrinal positions. In this case, Presbyterians and Roman Catholics cannot have unity. 
However, Baptists and Presbyterians can have unity because we share the same faith. These things are important because when you're looking for a good church to attend, it'll be extremely difficult to know which church fits your convictions if you don't know the differences. Statements of faith are great, but often they do not tell you everything you need to know. If you're a Calvinist, you may be doing a lot of church hopping and be frustrated if you do not ask the pastor what he believes on soteriology. Soteriology is the doctrine of how man is saved. A very simplistic answer is that Arminians believe that man chooses God, and Calvinists believe that God chooses who to save by election. These are different distinctions and can cause much heartache for a person who is looking for something specific and doesn't know how to explain it. So we are going to give some examples on what can happen when you do not know the differences between both essentials and non-essential doctrines and the language surrounding those doctrines. So I'm going to give some examples of when I was in high school. Um, I didn't really have a good understanding of what I actually believed. I knew the gospel in a very simplistic form, but I struggled to articulate it to others. I also stumbled over difficult doctrines, and I simply became hostile in defense instead of responding with loving patience when people asked me about my faith. It often left me feeling confused and doubtful of my own faith when it should have left me feeling at peace that the Lord would vindicate me by the preaching of his word. I would use unbiblical examples, analogies, and explanations that could not be found anywhere in scripture. I have shared in a previous episode that the main strain of Christianity I grew up in was Pentecostal charismatic. I was an Arminian at the time who didn't really know it, and I was pretty much a Baptist who didn't know what that meant, and so I defaulted to calling myself non-denominational or evangelical. As a result, I attended a four-square church on Sundays after I attended my evangelical church. I would go to my evangelical youth group, and I would promote charismatic doctrines from my upbringing to my friends. I had no guidance, and I had no idea what I was talking about. Yeah, I had a similar experience growing up. I went to a lot of different churches and kind of gathered my theology from many different churches, and it kind of became like a hodgepodge of doctrine that didn't really mix up together. Um, so I was kind of lost like you where I didn't really know what I believed and kind of rejected the labels that I actually held in reality. Yeah. And I did the same thing where you kind of have like a negative view of what a Baptist actually is. And so, or I just feel like denominations in general, because I, growing up and even in a my adulthood, I felt that the like denominations were a bad thing that you didn't want to be associated with the denomination. And so instead I was just non-denominational because that was safe. And you would tell other people that, and they would respond well to you like, Oh, you're an enlightened Christian. Um, <laughs> because there was just like a lot of negativity, like the word denomination sort of has a negative connotation to it. Um, yeah. I yeah. Like you had that experience. Yeah, definitely. I remember thinking basically the only differences between denominations was um, like music style. Like I used to think Baptists were the big, you know, the boring ones, the, the, the dusty with the dusty hymnals and they were just stuck in their ways. And then after studying, I realized, oh, well, I, I believe what Baptists do. And Sometimes they do like their dusty hymnals, and and I've kind of grown to love those too. But <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't have dusty hymnals at our church. We sing. we do we sing with them. drums, which is kind of also a classic Baptist. Um, what's the word I'm looking like stere for? Stereotype. Yeah, <laughs> Baptist stereotype. <laughs> so another example from my life. Um, 
I moved to Missouri right after I graduated high school in 2013. I attended a college that was associated with the restoration movement. So I did very little research. And as far as I could tell, I agreed with the statement of faith, but I did not do my due diligence to look into the history of the denominational background. So as a result, I threw myself in with the wolves. For those of you who do not know the history of the restoration movement, it's a denomination that was started by a man named Alexander Campbell in the 19th century. Alexander Campbell held the belief that the church needed to be restored, hence the name. He taught no creed but Christ, no confession but the Bible. They would commonly just refer to themselves as Christians. Um, mm -hmm. They wanted to go back to a... Um, more first century church model where there were no denominations, no differences in held positions, um, which is not necessarily bad. That in and of itself is not heretical or you can hold that position. Um, and it is common outside of even the restoration movement where some people, I think the terms biblicist where you just, where people say, just believe in Jesus in the Bible. Um, mm -hmm. but anyways, back to the restoration movement. Um, he held a belief in something called baptismal regeneration. So baptismal regeneration is a heretical doctrine that teaches man is justified by his baptism instead of by faith. I discovered this when my roommate invited me to her 21st birthday party. It'd been about three weeks probably that I'd been at the school. I was loving the school. I thought it was amazing. Mm -hmm. I was having a blast, but my, eye, my eyes were open and I felt like I was hit by a train at this party. Um, so at the party, her mother had made a cake and she split it down the middle. And on one side, it said, happy birthday to my roommate. And on the other side, it said, happy new birth, Hannah. So at mm. the time I was really confused because who splits a cake for their daughter's yeah. 21st birthday. So I, I was, I just didn't really know what to say. And I was really shocked. Um, but <laughs> she had, her mother had noticed that it was the anniversary of my baptism and she was celebrating the moment that I became a Christian. Um, oh. so <laughs> I was really floored and extremely offended because I'd loved and believed in Christ for many years before I was baptized at the time. I was also, I still am this, but very zealous, but lacking a lot of gentleness. Uh -huh. So Grace, gracefulness. Yeah. So like my response was very, I, I can't really explain it. It was just a very intense emotional, emotional response to the situation, not actually at the party and not actually directed at my roommate, but it did create a really strained relationship with my roommate. <laughs> and it, I, I started my year out so angry and I continued to be angry the six months that I was there, which I'm not justifying that there was a lot of sin in my time at the school, but the Lord used that season to teach me a lot of labels, a lot of doctrinal differences and the essentials from the non-essentials. I left with a really robust understanding of the doctrines of grace because I was forced to toss off all my bias and really challenge myself. Does the Bible teach that baptism is a necessary thing for salvation? And I was just constantly being saturated in God's grace and his sovereignty and how we're really saved. And, um, it was, I mean, I don't regret this time because the Lord used it to grow me in maturity in ways that I don't think would have happened outside of this context. However, hindsight, if I had known some language, namely what baptismal regeneration is and what the restoration movement is, 
I would have saved myself from a season of great sorrow and extreme trial. And I do not think I would have gone. Um, God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. So obviously it was a necessary thing for me to go through that experience and I'm thankful for it. And I hold no bitterness or resentment to any of the people um, now, but during the time, I mean, at the time it was really trying and I do wish I was equipped with more language and what I actually believed. And I do think a lot of that has to do with discipleship. And um, though I had a really good youth pastor, I, and I was, he discipled me, but not in a way that it was more of like your classic youth group model. I don't know if you know what uh-huh. I'm going to do. So I don't know, just be in healthy churches and be discipled too. I don't know if you want to add yeah. anything on that. It's a funny thought that came to my head. Okay. So like, um, unlike your upbringing where you did, you interacted more with like the baptismal regeneration. I never really got, that was never a belief that was pushed towards me. Baptism was not of any kind of importance. So it's kind of like the opposite direction where I think we went to a church one time. I don't remember anybody being baptized at least for like two or three years. I don't even think we had a baptismal. (laughs) It's that's how off that was, which that's a long story. (laughs) I mean, I didn't have a pretty, I did not have a good understanding of what baptism, the purpose. I mean, even I remember back to when I was baptized, I was 17 and I remember like a week before I was going to be baptized, I was trying to like learn about it. And you find like these weird websites with just weird information. I don't know if you've <laughs> ever just Googled something. Yeah, yeah. Just weird stuff. The, the article that I'd read before was kind of talking about how the Holy Spirit would be given to me, but more. I had the Holy Spirit oh, be given to yeah. me more. And this was me just doing my own stuff. So instead of like yeah. going to my youth pastor and being like, hey, will you explain this more in depth to me? I just kind of did my own thing trying to figure uh-huh. it out. Uh-huh. And I... <laughs> I remember this is kind of embarrassing, but I remember coming out of the water and then thinking, I don't feel any different. Like, <laughs> I feel the exact same. But I'm just, I am thankful that baptism doesn't save us, that it's the work of God in us, that the Holy Spirit regenerates our hearts to believe. So, yeah. even with my baptism being a little bit weird <laughs> and yeah, not really I understanding. Just- <laughs> yeah, I think that just shows how that shows how important discipleship is. Because I didn't really have, I didn't really have evangelism in like somebody evangelizing me or discipleship. And really with the discipleship, instead of going to some, you know, a mature Christian and asking my questions, I went to the internet. And like you said, you go to these weird sites. Like at one time I was thinking, okay, we have to obey the Torah and keep all 613 laws for a while. I believe that. Um, There's some crazy websites out there. No. Yeah, for sure. And this is again, why labels are so important because not everybody has someone to disciple them. I mean, we desire that people are discipled. We trust that the church will, will be the church and that they will disciple people, but it doesn't always happen. I mean, I'm an example of that. You're an example of that. And so if, if you are someone who's in a situation where you're not in a good church and you don't feel like you're being discipled, you do want to guard yourself and be really, really careful what you do believe um, yeah. and be slow to just accept anything because I have believed so many things that are not biblical <laughs> 
borderline heretical. It's scary. And the internet is both a blessing and a curse because you oh, yeah. can find beautiful things online and grow mm-hmm. in your faith. But I do think that's another aspect, what websites to trust. Oh yeah. There's only a select, if I'm going to read a book, I have to know, is this person reformed? Is this person <laughs> Armenian? Before I even yeah. read it. What, what church they're a part of. <laughs> yeah. Because like I read a book by Norman Geisler at the beginning of the year on, um, what's it called? worldviews basically and Mm -hmm. i i didn't realize at the time that he's an arminian it's irrelevant that he was he was just talking about worldview but that is something that i like to know because our our beliefs whether we do it intentionally or unintentionally will always bleed through in whatever we do so whether we're teaching whether we're talking to someone discipling them whatever and i have taught a lot of things that are not biblical to other people because i've always been passionate about teaching Mm -hmm. when I should have paused and <laughs> asked an adult, is this even in the Bible? <laughs> and yeah. I, did, I did have access to pastors and I didn't necessarily go to them. Yeah. That's like uh, an example that I think of is that, that author, um, W. Young, the guy who wrote, he wrote lies we believe about God and he wrote the shack okay. and like, and he's, you know, he's Unitarian and people oh, just- I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. If you read Lies We Believe About God, his book, it's like all through every page, Unitarian Doctrine. But he's marketed as a Christian writer. But I mean, if you you check out his Lies We Believe About God, it's just, it's plain Unitarianism. Or I think of something popular that lots of women are reading, and this is going to be kind of a controversial thing to say, but Rachel Hollis is being advertised as a Christian author, but when you read her book, it's nothing but, I don't know, how would you describe it? It Well, it's not the gospel. It's more of like a self-help, self-help. How can you be happy? How can you be successful? Yeah. It's more of focusing. It's very self-focused instead of uh-huh. God-focused. And I yeah. think that's another aspect of when you're getting into labels, sometimes labels can only go so far because yeah. now you're getting people who are using gospel language and claiming mm-hmm. to be Christian. Vocabulary. <laughs> yeah. And the, the language is the same. Like with the Mormons, they use grace, they use atonement, they use Jesus, mm-hmm. they use God mm-hmm. the Father, they use the Holy Spirit. And if you don't know the difference in the meaning of the language, you could listen to them and be like, well, they're Christian because yeah. the language is the same, but they've, they've, redefined words they're using a different dictionary (laughs) yeah completely different dictionary one that's not biblical and so like we're hoping to kind of show how labels can be useful in your toolbox when christians when people who claim to be christians do talk you can pause and be like okay wait a second that kind of sounds off guard yourself sometimes i've noticed that in my own walk I'll, I'll find somebody who i trust and i think that they're a strong believer in everything and then over time the language that they start to speak, something feels off or sounds off, but I can't pinpoint it only to come to realize, whoa, what they believe is so unbiblical. And mm-hmm. I've been being spoon fed it and accepting it. And now you're being shaped by falsehood and not shaped by the renewal of your mind through the, the scriptures. And that's so dangerous. And so, and I don't want to like leave everything with like a just like with despair, like, oh, there's no hope for you. <laughs> Everything's just confusing. It's it's not if we have the Bible as our guide and right. we do have 
elders and pastors who are supposed to shepherd over our souls and watch over us and are, are truly, what's the word, Expo- teaching expository, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Expositorily? Expositorily? Is that a word? No, that's not a word. <laughs> Doing expository preaching. There we go. Yeah. And yeah. as opposed to more of like a topical cherry picking and yeah. I don't know if you Here's, kind of had a- Yeah, that's like the, the sermon messages instead of going through scripture and, and saying, all right, this is what this text means in its context. People will give 10, 10 ways to fix your marriage or, yeah. or they'll ask you, you know, the questions, what does this passage mean to you? And it's kind of subjective. Yeah. yeah. So leaning more, you know, pushing more towards the expository, which is like, okay, this is what the text meant. All right. Um, and it still means this today. So what can we yeah. learn from it? <laughs> Which, and so like, there's some labels that we could bring up. So there's the word eisegesis. Isn't that how you say that? Eisegesis. Yeah. <laughs> in that is putting into the text what you want it to say. And exegesis is allowing the text to bring out the meaning. And so there are two different systems of approach and preaching. And that's another thing that I don't think people necessarily realize when they go to sit and listen to a sermon. I mean, I had a gal um, tell me that they had gone to a church where expository preaching was happening and they'd never heard a pastor take a, take a Bible verse and allow the text to speak for itself. They'd only ever really been exposed to more topical teaching topical teaching does have its place but i yeah, do think yeah, that definitely when topical teaching is the only thing that's occurring in a church you should be careful and you should ask are they allowing the text to speak for itself or are they putting something in in the text yeah so i have another example in my adulthood um my husband and I attended an Acts 29 church because that was what my husband was familiar with he was saved in an Acts 29 church Um, But I still had no idea the difference between different churches or denominations. I called myself non-denominational. I still maintain that. I still held to some charismatic views, and I just liked the community at the church. So I had no understanding of what a healthy church was. I lacked a robust understanding of the ordinances, baptism, and the Lord's Supper, and I didn't have an issue that there was no plurality of elders or membership. So I thought that this church was great mainly because they were Calvinists. And at that point I was a little bit cage stage. Um, Just like that was the most important thing to me at the time. And so I think I kind of let myself be blinded by that and not recognizing like there was other issues um, because I wasn't aware of them. So um, I thought the church was great. I also thought that I was a discerning and strong Christian, which is humbling. I know. (laughs) Um, but I share this to be vulnerable as it was the, this was all in just the past three years. I was in a church with people who all held mixed beliefs. There was no consensus on what doctrine was essential and non-essential. Everyone kind of had a salad bar Christianity that fit their liking and there was no discipleship happening to the pastor. That's, that's not to say that all the people in the body weren't Christians. There are a lot of really solid Christians that were in that church who we consider Mm -hmm. family. So not to discount the people in that body. There were some people in the body who did have views that caused a lot of confusion for me Mm -hmm. because you'd hear multiple different things from different people. But anyway, so because I wasn't being discipled, I was also falling into a lot of errors. So like referring back to spending a lot of time on the internet and not going to my pastor and saying, Hey, can we talk about this? And so 
I believed some dangerous doctrines and specifically I started to fall for the new apostolic reformation because I, I was susceptible to that since I did hold to some charismatic stuff. And logically that flows naturally into the new apostolic reformation. Um, so I was really being tossed to and fro back to like the Ephesians four fourteen verse, um, mm-hmm. That church ended up blowing up in our faces. Our pastor had taken our our body, which was pretty small. We were about like 70 people, maybe a little bit less. And he he replanted our church with a pastor from a church that that I would describe as a nominal watered down congregation. So when our church merged with this other pastor, watered down pragmatic teaching took center stage. Calvinism became a moot doctrine, not worth dividing over. And our church quickly became one of chaos. The body completely scattered. Everybody went every which way direction and devastated so many believers and left us all kind of licking our wounds over this. So this is an this was an extremely difficult season in my life. I actually don't talk about it very often because I try to watch the way I speak about it and it it can be difficult to talk about something that was difficult especially when it has to do with church hurt um mm-hmm. and to not get your own flesh kind of in the way. So I try to be careful cuz I don't want to sin against anybody in this that in the if what happened. So I'm trying to just tell it like how it happened. But uh, this was a really hard lesson for me and my husband. And it, it kind of, it, we came to a point where we had to really face doctrinal differences worth dividing over. And it would have helped to have more labels in our toolbox <laughs> to discern that this church was not even a church that we should have ever been in. Mm-hmm. Um, and this would have helped to protect us from reaping the consequences of lack of discernment. But um, hindsight, again, the Lord uses all things for our good. So I'm thankful for it. I, I've learned a lot. But um, coming out of that season, I did ask a lot of questions. I read a lot of books. And before my husband and I moved up to Flagstaff, Arizona, which is where we currently live, um, we learned a lot about what a healthy church looked like. So we had the tools and the language and the experience to know what we did not want in a church and what would be potentially dangerous if we repeated. So for me, I personally love learning about theology. It's immensely blessed my Christian walk. And I'm also now, today, confident in what I believe. I can articulate it in a way that doesn't cause confusion when I'm sharing my faith with other people. Um, I don't always do this perfectly, but being equipped with theological terms and labels has helped me to distinguish between the good and the better. It has also helped me to guard me from heresy that is clothed in Christian language. For me personally, I want to offer tools to other women so that they don't make the same mistakes I I did because I have, I have been through the ringer and <laughs> I have had like hard season after hard season after hard season. I mean, my current, like where I am now, we love mm-hmm. our church and it's a great healthy church and we have plurality of elders and I'm really thankful that the Lord has brought us here. Um, and it is humbling because it did kind of knock me down a few levels of, especially because I thought I was some discerning, smart, educated Christian who knew everything when really I did not <laughs> at all. And so to just be really humbled by the fact of like, Hannah, you do not know it all and you're never going to know it all. And I think it's also kind of created in me a more um, receptive uh, spirit to correction and 
to receive teaching, um, mm-hmm. especially from older women, because I used to be very like, mm, do you really know? Like, know it all. <laughs> yeah. But now I feel like I, I I've kind of learned how to shut up and listen. And, mm-hmm. but still, again, like we're trying to show, we don't just leave doctrine at the door. I still know yeah. my convictions and what I believe. I know what's worth dividing over. And I know that I still can grow in my faith. And so mm-hmm. that's where, again, discipleship and the body comes into play, that they're so essential. But to, to get to a healthy body, you have to figure out what a healthy body is and what your convictions are. So that's kind of like tying it all together. Yeah. Our goal is not to list every doctrine and every denominational difference in this podcast. Our goal is to make you pause and ask the question, am I a Baptist? Am I charismatic? What do I believe about the Trinity? What do I believe a healthy church looks like? Why do I believe X, Y, Z, and so forth? We truly want you to be equipped with understanding and able to express your convictions in a way that is understandable and with confidence. We aren't looking to make everyone Reformed Baptist. In the non-essentials, we can have unity and we can work together as the body of Christ. However, that doesn't mean our denominational differences don't matter. They matter greatly. And we should be seeking to be in community with believers who hold to the same position as us and that we can have unity within the local body. For example, we have unity with Presbyterians outside the context of the local church. We can do evangelism, Bible studies, prayer meetups, etc., but we cannot practically gather together as a church because our views on church government and who should be baptized are so different um, that it would be difficult to live out our conviction without there being some kind of contention. That doesn't mean an individual cannot attend a church they disagree with, though. Yeah, so like my husband and I, we sought refuge in an Orthodox Presbyterian church for about a year after that incident with our previous church happened before we landed in our current church up here in Flagstaff. So we knew what we believed, and we were able to be respectful to the church that we were attending and not blow up in baptism debates. So unity still can happen across denominations. It's just good to know the differences so that there won't be unnecessary conflict and so that you can guard yourself. It's also good to know so that you can find a church that most closely aligns with your convictions. And if there is not, say say you're a Reformed Baptist and there's not a Reformed Baptist church in your area, and a Presbyterian church could be a good option for you if there's only Arminian churches that water down the gospel. You really have to, you have to make the decision based on the essentials and not the non-essentials. And since we share with the Presbyterians the same faith, Um, it may be a wiser decision to go to the Presbyterian church instead of putting ourselves in a position to sit under poor preaching and an unhealthy church structure because it can damage our spiritual well-being um, if we're in unhealthy churches. So anyway, so the reason we think this topic is important is to show that language has meaning and that descriptive words we use have a place in the Christian life as they help to define and explain both essential and non-essential doctrines that we as Christians hold to. I hope that you can see by our examples that a lack of knowledge on theological terms and doctrines can leave you susceptible to make poor choices. And it will give you a false perception of unity because you could be in community with people who aren't really believers. And this is definitely true for my experience. 
this episode is more a precursor on what to expect from us. Um, we're trying to lay a foundation to build upon it um, so that you know where we're coming from, what we actually believe so that you can be discerning. Um, we're not trying to trick you. We want you to, to guard yourselves. Like we mentioned earlier also, Christian growth does happen in the context of discipleship, which also happens in the context of church. This is the normative means in which God uses. So we want to encourage you to find a healthy church. We want to encourage you to reach out to your pastors and elders and ask the hard questions. You are not, Christ did not leave you in the dark to navigate the Christian life. He has given you the whole body to learn from, engage with. Your pastors and elders are so valuable to you. So don't feel guilty to send them an email if you have a hard question. That's what they're there for. That's what they yeah. get paid to do. <laughs> I remember I remember whenever I first joined the church that we're at now, I remember shooting I don't know how many emails to my pastor every week asking off the wall questions and I would always get an answer like um hold on just a couple minutes. I'm still working on the last one. <laughs> so ask your pastor, ask your elders questions. <laughs> yes. And really do because yeah, we, we really want to show you that they are there for you, <laughs> for yeah. you to grow. So we also want to end with an exhortation to guard yourself from becoming proud or arrogant as you grow in knowledge of the truth. The Bible teaches us in first Corinthians eight, one, when talking about food, that knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. And Romans twelve sixteen says, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. We need to be watchful that we do not fall into temptation to boast in our knowledge. We should not use labels in a way to be exclusive or look down on our brothers and sisters. We should use labels to bring clarity and exercise discernment. And we should not use labels to group people together and avoid people who hold to different secondary beliefs. We wanna encourage you to remember that the Lord has saved you by his grace and all that you know and believe is a gift from God. Ephesians 4, one through seven says this, therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. I think this verse is really important when we grow in knowledge because I know for me, I have fallen into a pattern of sin that was critical and arrogant. I also started to think that I could not learn anything from those around me. We also need to be careful not to grow discouraged or upset with other believers who are in different places in their spiritual growth. Paul urges us to be patient with one another. We need to be humble, gentle, and bear one another in love. This verse also shows us that there is only one body and one spirit. So while there are denominational differences in the church today, that does not mean that the Baptists are the one true church. 
The Lord has his people spread out in many churches, and we may disagree with one another on secondary issues, but we are united by the same faith. So while there may be, or it may seem like there's um, much disunity within the body right now of the church, what is it, the church universal as a whole, um, we're united like I said, by the same faith in Jesus Christ. And right now we're in the already, not yet. We're waiting on the consummation of all things. Um, we're waiting on Christ to return. We'll worship together as one body and have all things in common. And amen. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously though. So <laughs> we want to thank you guys for joining us. Please, if you'll follow us on Instagram, we just created an Instagram account. It looks awesome. I worked really hard on it. I know this sounds really ridiculous, but I'm not an artsy person. I'm, I'm just, I don't care enough for that kind of stuff. So I read articles (laughs) on how to make an an Instagram account appealing. So I made it appealing (laughs) for you. I'm like reading all these things about marketing. So help me out. And if you like our podcast, word of mouth is really going to be a way that we'll, we'll, we will grow. And we do want this to reach more people. We want it to encourage regular believers and, and unbelievers. We, I mean, use it. (laughs) (laughs) We're just excited to see how God will use this podcast. And so we hope that you, you also see the value in what God has given us to do. Um, cause this is definitely not of like our own. I mean, I always think of Ephesians 2.10 talks about that God has prepared works beforehand that we should walk in them. So um, we're just being faithful, doing something that God has (laughs) given us to do. So please, please share it. Please do. I'll keep asking you to do it. Um, Like it, review it. Review it. Support us on Patreon if you you feel you should. Please support us on Patreon. We really appreciate it. You don't have to, but if you do feel led and yeah, so we just want to leave you with a verse, uh, Philippians 2, 2, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So that's just our prayer for us, for the church universal, that we can seek unity with one another because we share the same faith with the same Lord. So God bless you all and we hope you join us next time.